S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. It's Sammy Rye coming to you guys May 18th, 2022. She-Hulk trailers out. Got to see John Waters last Saturday, the director of Pink Flamingos, Cry Baby, Cecil B. Demented, which is my favorite film. Got to buy his book, awesome book. We're going to get into that and get into his live show, which if it comes to your area, you definitely should go see it. Um, what else is going on? Oh, so much stuff, I feel like. So many things to do. A lot of things going on in Fortnite. I, I'm moving. I got a new place. Um, so that's super awesome. Should have finally a studio I could work in and start making some video content. And we got a wedding coming up for one of my good friends and uh, all kinds of fun things. And the weather. The weather is finally breaking. It's finally getting nice out here on the Northeast. Although like two days ago was like a, a life-threatening storm. So I, I, maybe I should stop saying the weather's getting nice every time I say the weather gets nice because then something um, horrible happens a little while after. Like you'll put on shorts one day and then the next day you're like taking a snowmobile back to um, you know the school bus. And I don't understand why that's the weather we're having this year. I don't know if it's just this year or if it's like that every year and you just can't remember like a year later what the weather was like. Yeah, but I feel like it's really difficult for this year to decide let's just get warm now. At least up here on the Northeast. So, all that stuff is happening here. And a whole lot more. I got a lot of artwork I'm doing right now. Some great people I want to shout out on um, on Instagram. I actually found this great artist, Gabby T. G-A-B-Y-T. You can find that on YouTube. Gabby does amazing work. However, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out that I think the work... Maybe adult in nature, but not on YouTube, but it's very suggestive as if like, hey, subscribe to my Patreon and this goes deeper. And the artwork is not traditional adult kind of artwork. However, the artwork is phenomenal, right? So just looking at like the actual artwork going on from Gabby T, um, I think it's like 70 free tutorials. I'm like, I love the information, love, love the knowledge. Udemy has a sale going on this week and I, I can't resist the Udemy sale. I'll never get through all the classes I have in Udemy. I'll just never be able to finish them all because I always buy more classes than I'll be able to finish. But you know what? The pursuit of knowledge, why ever stop, right? I get to leave that password to somebody. Hopefully, it's useful to them. By then, I shall have my kids and my grandkids will have a Udemy course covering any major topic in life available to them. So if any of them fail me as my descendants, it's on them, all right? You can't say, oh, Grandpa didn't you know, give us any knowledge or bequeath anything to it you know the udemy catalog is the equivalent of going into like an elder's castle and then he has that room with like ten thousand library books that's my udemy catalog right but it's digital now and i'm not it's not all dusty you don't got to get one of those freaking ladders and like spin around the whole room and go to the 18th shelf to find the book on like uh how to read people and and you know take over the world using your cia skills i already have that udemy course it's like eight hours long um, so yeah, definitely if you guys are interested, if you never tried a Udemy course, I like YouTube stuff, like Gabby T has some YouTube free tutorials, and I'll go through them, but a lot of times the, the tutorials on YouTube are kind of uh, disjointed, you know, it's just like, hey, if you know art, come over here and watch me do some art, and this is what I'm doing this time, but it's uh, very difficult, I find, with not going to an art school, not having a traditional set path of how to learn arts. Um, if you don't have the resources, me personally, I, I can't just you know, go to art college right now or anything like that. So my journey, my journey has been one filled with a lot of self-discovery 
And also, um, Udemy courses. Because Udemy, I think most of the highly rated courses on there, at least they give you a path. They're never, like, all-encompassing. Um, which, you know, for, like, $10 or $20, they shouldn't be, right? I mean, if anything, it's like going to college eventually, except you're paying 20 bucks at a time. And then after you're done, you'll have, like, a few thousand dollars worth of Udemy courses, little by little, racked up into your library. Um, but that's something that I really enjoy going after and doing. And yeah, and I like to sometimes be in different moods. So right now I'm in a drawing mood. I have a photo shoot coming up where I'm, I'm, I've been requested to do some photography. So I got to bust out my camera and, and brush up my photography skills. So I'll just hop in, throw a Udemy course on, look at my notes I took down in my OneNote um, after, after I did my last run through my photography course. And I usually after like a day, a few hours maybe, I, I feel pretty good, feel pretty confident. And then you go out there, you get back in the groove of things, and boom, you, you kind of warm up. Um, sometimes I'll maybe like do like a, a mock photo shoot beforehand or something like that. So like one or two days of preparation, um, you can jump back into the skill. And it's great because it allows me to be really versatile where I can then say, okay, well, I believe maybe a month or two after that, um, the plan is to do a music video. So yeah, if I'm doing a music video, same thing. I hop into that hat, you know, get some video footage down. Bust out some old courses. I have a great cinematography course I went through before on Udemy. I have a bunch of notes on that. So I'll just go brush up on my notes, brush up on the course. I don't have to watch it front to back or anything. I'll skip around to the sections and kind of start jogging memory. So I think that's a really versatile thing. You can access your OneNote and your Udemy from your cell phone. So even if you're out in the field and you're like, ah, I need a refresher or something like that, I always put together really good reference sheets and notes um, for those kind of situations because, you know, Something always comes up, and I used to do stuff just on the fly. When I was younger, it was just raw talent. I would just go out, and this is what I thought. I didn't even storyboard or write a script or anything. So all this stuff here, it's an improvement. Not the, you know, you know, add that to experience. Bada bing, bada boom. You got a you got a stew cooking, right? Um, so those are some things I got going on personally on my side of the fence. Yeah, and I guess I'll, with that, I'll mention the move before we get into like multimedia things. I am moving in about four or five weeks. I am dedicated to not messing up the podcast during that time. So I'll try to get a podcast out. Maybe I'll have to like pre-record one or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know how the whole thing is going to work. New place. The internet seems suspect. I'm like, this area, I don't know how great the internet's going to be here. Something about the trees. I was like, I don't trust these trees and hills and formations. I feel like the internet won't work here correctly. Or at least not as not as well as it should. But I have to tackle those all those little tasks, you know, from moving and I mean, hopefully it's just one week that really affects me. I think you always think that when you're doing a move. And then who knows? It might be like six months of, uh, or not like, not maybe like six weeks. I just, I'm exaggerating. Of like, you know, trial and error and figuring things out. Um, but then after that, I, by the summertime, believe I'll be able to start putting out some video content and really start showing the writer-director side of me with the music video and everything. So things... It's been a long time. I've been doing the podcast for over a year. And when I started doing the podcast, I was thinking, hey, I'll, you know, knock a few of these out, get the ball rolling, and then I'll be able to hop into video and stuff. And it's been it's been a long time just from week to week solving real life problems um, from, you know, things with the family, things with the kids, things with just me, myself, you know, working on myself, me having to balance my work life and all those things, and I, I just say, you know, people out there who are doing things, I, I saw this um, a stand-up recently, it's called Speakeasy on Netflix, I don't remember the comedian's actual name, let me let me look it up, because 
I like him or not. I think it's Ricky. Let me look at Speakeasy Netflix. Ronnie Chang. Ronnie Chang is his name. He was also in Shang-Chi. Um, and he has another good um, stand-up on Netflix. I like the first one. Speakeasy was cool, but I feel like Speakeasy was like... Like, now he had something to say because he was known. But I feel like the first one, it was like you didn't know who he was. And he just kind of came out of left field. Which I guess is difficult for anyone to have to try to, like, updo themselves over and over again. And you have to top that thing. The first one's called Asian Comedian Destroys America. It was 2019. He recorded that for Netflix. And he just, I had no idea who he was. So, boom, just hits me. Now I know who he is. See him in a Marvel movie. And it's kind of acknowledging, like, um, I'm not big, you know, personally into a lot of, like, uh, topical comedy. Like, when it's like, you know, this is what's going on right now with a president or, you know, social issues. I'm like, yeah, I feel like those things don't usually age that well because if I come back and watch this a year or two later, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be something I'm talking about. Whereas, like, last night, I think I binge watched two or three hours of um, Sebastian Maniscalco. I feel like I messed up his name. But, um, Stay Hungry... Um, why aren't you embarrassed? I think was the other one. By seeing them all last night, and since that kind of comedy is observational, but talks more about like things like you know your grandparents or things in your childhood or things you do in a relationship, that kind of stuff is more general and kind of and you can put it on for repeat viewing. So I like Speakeasy a lot. Um, you know, again, but I think I probably watched that once or twice, and then you know, some I don't think that one will be one I put on a lot, but the first one. Um, Asian Comedian Destroys America, that one I've seen, uh, I don't know how many times, it's just, it's just great, um, and that one's a little topical, but I even like how he's a little futuristic in that, he kind of talks about, like, Amazon in the future and things that he can see happening, and I also love when international comedians that have, like, a worldly perspective tell you about things that happen to other countries, I always think that's interesting, because, like, you learn something, but it's also funny, right, I feel like that's how school should be, right, educational, but also entertaining, um, yeah, so definitely check out his special on Netflix, um, and I've mentioned Sebastian Maniscalco before on the podcast. Um, everything he does is awesome. I got his audiobook, which is one of my favorite audiobooks, Stay Hungry. Um, and then all his stand-ups that are on Netflix. I don't think Stay Hungry is on Netflix, but there's like three other ones. They're all great. Watching them all last night. And there's so much content. The, this podcast, if I, I always think, like, should I change the name of the podcast? And one of my biggest accomplishments in life is not changing the name of the podcast for over a year. I don't know how I've done it. I'm Sammy Rye. My real name is Luis Roman. Um, legally, my, my real name used to be Luis Santiago. I changed that legally. And then my actual, like, Samurai name, I, I used to be known as Listic. I used to be known as Forever LC. At one time, I was known as LCS. This has dropped my music career, or, you know, me doing music. I don't know if you call it a career, whatever. Um, yeah, just, like, I'm a, I feel like I'm like Puff Daddy in that situation, or P. Diddy. Like, y- you get to a point in life... I think artistically, sometimes you feel like you're going to another phase. Sammy Rye was really me saying, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm staying here no matter what. So I think one of the biggest things about Sammy Rye is that I never changed my name. That's that's I've been holding on to that, I think, for almost 10 years, um, which is an accomplishment. And the podcast, that, Sam, that podcast with Sammy Rye, I've thought about changing that name a million times. And that's why I named it that initially, because there's so many different ways I wanted to summarize what the podcast was. But I go through so many different moods. So if I thought like, you know, art and entertainment with, with Sammy Rye or, I don't know, um, the 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 podcast guy. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I would then eventually get to a point where I would want to change the podcast name to something else. So that that podcast with Sammy Rye is what it is. It's just me. Maybe one day I'll start, like, a second podcast if there's one topic in particular I want to always hit on. 
but this this was like a you know serves all purposes kind of covers all bases kind of thing so speaking with that talking about things that i got going on and other things going on this week um i just saw the she-hulk trailer and I was amazed because I'm it's like Marvel does this thing with these new characters where I'm not interested in these characters. I don't know who they are really. I've I've seen little things of them and in my life they've never mattered. For like, you know, over thirty years, this character never matters. So someone might be saying, Oh, I like Moon Knight, like one guy, right? One guy knows like, oh, I like Moon Knight. I'm like, Okay, cool. We all got a thing. I like Havoc. That's like my character. I like Nightwing if you're you know talking about DC. Um, not everyone likes those characters, but I do, right? I gravitated to them for whatever reason. So I feel like everyone has that. So it's like someone might have known about, I might have known about Moon Knight because someone told me about them, but I don't really know. And then I go watch the Moon Knight show. I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I think, I think I did watch Moon Knight week to week, but that was a show I could have waited. I could have waited for the whole thing to pass. I wouldn't have been bothered by it at all. And it was phenomenal, right? An amazing show. Moon Knight now seems like he be one of the most, like one of the best characters in the MCU. They do such a good job at taking the basic idea and going through that character's history, finding the greatest hits of that character, and boiling up, like, like bringing it all down into basically the introduction and what I would assume would be the next probably 10 years of that character's development. Um, and you're just getting such a great story. And then all these other original ideas that come out of that when they start crossing these characters over with the other characters that they've built up it's just it's just perfection like i i really can't fault them every time i see someone online try to come up with a criticism for what marvel's doing i feel like they really really are nitpicking i think overall what they do is just head and shoulders above what most companies are doing with their characters that if you get mad about some change you know to like the old comic book canon or if you think that like you know a character's pushing an agenda that's always one people like to go for I'm like, yeah, I, I don't care. Like, these, these are improvements. These are new things. Um, I think someone said, I saw one, one person I said, which I thought was such a stupid comment. That's why I'll repeat it again in the podcast. They were like, oh, I remember when the MCU was the MCU, and now it's the MCU. And I had to read it, like, a few times, like, MCU. It was actually written, like, M, all caps, like, M. Uh, S H E U. So at first I'm like Mishu. Like what? What is? What is that? And I was like, oh, he's saying like Marvel She Universe, which isn't even a great joke, I guess. But because there's, I guess, a lot of more female characters being promoted, I just thought, man, like as a guy, I'm just like, dude, like, what are you mad about? You you you're mad that Marvel and every other film company has featured men primarily for like since the dawn of film and like when when light was finally being able to be captured through a lens like it's ridiculous that that's been going on so long and then marvel for like three years and started putting out more content featuring females in, in lead roles and you're mad about that like it's not like they stopped making content with with guys in it like if anything like hawkeye and um kate bishop is a great example where like you have a strong female lead and a strong male lead together um, I thought that was great about John Wick too when they introduced Holly Berry. I'm like, cool, like there's another character here for my wife to get into. I like Deadpool and I like Vanessa, but I really feel like they haven't used her enough. But in Deadpool 2, they did introduce Domino. Um, Negasonic has a small role in part one, not enough. So there are female characters for you to get into. Uh, I kind of wish Vanessa did more in Deadpool. Hopefully, you know, she'll do more at some point. But yeah, like 
I, I was like, dude, like again, you're nitpicking. These these are the the criticisms that I see to stand out where someone's saying something about these things. I'm like, that's not a big deal. Um, and She Hawk, it looks amazing as a as a fan of film, as a fan of spectacle, as a fan of being surprised, waking up on this earth and living another day and being like, wow, or oh, I never seen that after all this time I've been here, after all the stuff that's recorded throughout history, all the videos you can watch in a few seconds. To have someone do something new that says, oh, I didn't expect that, or wow. There's, man, there's there's great scenes. If you watch that She-Hulk trailer, there's one that I love. And I, I, I'm never going to be able to use this probably. I'll, I'll use it some way. But I had a Highlander screenplay that I worked on. And I had a scene where, if you don't know what Highlanders are, these characters are somewhat superhuman, right? They're immortals. And the concept I liked, which I'm not sure is if it's canon to Highlander or something I inferred in my own head as a child was the idea that if you took more souls from other Highlanders, you got stronger. I think in Highlander Endgame, the final Highlander guy, almost the final guy, he has like 300 souls or something. And he can like teleport practically. He, he moves so fast, he's like moving like teleporting or something. They don't explain it very well. But um, I like that idea. So when I was doing my, my uh, I guess my spec script or whatever for Highlander... I had a girl character, again, a strong a female lead with, with a male lead. And I was like, she's immortal. She's strong, even though she's smaller in stature. I was like, would it be cool if... Highlander typically has a sex scene. So I felt like as a fan of the franchise, trying to reboot it, even though you don't see a lot of sex scenes, it wasn't supposed to be like gratuitous. But I wanted them to have something to let you know at some point. The, it, it, it led up to a situation where that would happen. And would make it spectacle, make it different is it's rough but she's rough with him because even though she's smaller she's super strong right so like she could kind of throw him around a little bit not like in a comedic fashion like seriously she could throw him around a little bit so i was like that would be cool like she like pins him to the car like puts him on the hood and and like they're just like making out going crazy i was like people would be watching that and they wouldn't expect it especially because the, the casting i had in mind at least how it wanted for the characters was the, the girl character had to be shorter she had to be shorter because she had a giant weapon, and the weapon was inherited from her father. So it was symbolism and yada, 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 boom. Um, but also I thought, and then also when they have that scene, it's going to be funny. Uh, the audience will be shocked to see this smaller person, not like ridiculously manhandling, again, just enough so it seemed realistic. And that thought, I thought it hit you by the boom, right? That's just, mwah, I just kiss the, the camera and walk away. Um, that's why I, I'm, I'm definitely now more into being a, a, a director, screenwriter, because I hate the idea that you can submit a screenplay and they'd be like, everything's cool, but like, we don't like this scene. Uh, you know, so-and-so actor said he doesn't want to get thrown around by this, this shorter woman. And I'd be like, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm heartbroken at that. So I'll take that concept and reuse it in something else. But Marvel, uh, already, they already did it, where there's a great end of the trailer where She-Hawk goes on his date with this guy and he looks like a pretty I guess macho kind of guy but she's She-Hawk so at some point she transforms into She-Hawk and she picks him up practically like a baby is like walking him towards the bedroom and again my, my jaw hits the floor I'm like I'm like I've I've never seen this situation that I, that's gonna be so funny is that they're doing it like in a, in a funny kind of way as like and you don't know now what to expect from this character originally I would think She's just girl hawk, right? So what is she going to do? I'm mad. I'm knocking some cars around. And I feel like a lot of companies, that's what they would do if they had the chance to do that character. They'd just be like, eh, you know, what are you going to do? But they they didn't do that. They had um they had brought someone else in. 
and they had a different idea on it. So really interested to see what else they, they do on that show. Um, and then you have Mark Ruffalo cameoing. And I remember seeing very, very early footage of this one particular scene um, where they're like, they're like working in a test lab or something. It might even have been like a DVD extra for one of the films or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but then seeing, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, like, he's doing an experiment, she's in the lab, eh. But then watching the actual conversation going on when, during the lab, seeing the final product, um, looked really funny, really interesting, and, um, yeah, I'm interested now. I'm interested to see how it goes and how it ties into it. It's cool to see Mark Ruffalo doing more Hawk stuff. Um, yeah, so She-Hawk looks great. That's everything I can, I can think to say about the She-Hawk trailer. Um, I guess the other thing I'll talk, I'll touch on this week is um I, I got to go to see this John Waters show. And let me let me find a proper name for the show. Cause apparently it's a show that he does all the time. Um let me see. The Filthy World. I think that's pretty much the, the, the touring name of the show. It looks like apparently it's a book. It's kind of a brand I guess that he has going on. And um it it was cool because like when I first went I didn't know what it was. My wife had got his tickets I said, hey, like, like, let's go to this thing. I said, all right. So we drove to Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, which is very nice, by the way. I've never been to Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. The drive there was, like, all, like, woods and farm. Um, Valley Forge was beautiful. And I was surprised how beautiful that area was. Everything else was not really my cup of tea. A lot of winding roads, like, suicide roads. Like, roads where, like, you would turn a corner and come, like, you'd be, like, going up and down a hill while turning so you cannot physically see the other car because your nose of your car is facing the sky. And as you're making this turn, this other car is coming up the other side of the hill. And you're just you're just hoping that you guys both stay in your lane, right? That's all you can do. I don't know why they designed the hill that way. But um, yeah, a lot of their streets were like that. So I'm trying to get there, not miss the show. I think it was raining. Um, not a pleasant drive there. When I got to Phoenixville, very, very beautiful Main Street. It's like out of nowhere, some giant Main Street pops up. Like everything else was farms, it seemed like at least. And then, um, yeah, the the theater was nice, nice classic theater. And John Waters there doing a show. And it started like a stand-up comedy show, which I know him as a director and a writer. So I didn't know he did stand-up comedy or I, I, don't, I don't even know how to take that, right? So I get in and I'm listening to the jokes it's kind of just his opinion and take on things, which I guess is what comedy is for some people, right? Um, and at first I'm like, okay, cool. And then once he started getting into kind of like doing more jokes about his life and his stories and things he went through and stuff that happened on movies, that thought became very, very interesting. Um, his perspective is very unique and he's been through a lot, obviously a lot of things. And it was interesting to see someone who had worked so much in the industry even though he's like an indie guy, he still has this industry experience working with Johnny Depp and stuff like that. Other people he's has relationships with. There's all these interesting stories that come out of it. And seeing his perspective was really eye-opening. Um, and then the place was sold out. A lot of his shows, I believe, are, are pretty much always sold out. Um, he mentioned he had like a camp that he does. I think it's a four-day camp he does during the summer that you can go. And I think you get to meet people from the other movies and kind of just hang out with them for four days. Um, that was sold out already for this year. I think my wife was was dying to go to that, but he was like, "Yeah, it's already sold out." Um, so yeah, it was nice to see, you know, how how things were going well for the guy. All the different things he had going on, and then he was selling some books and stuff. I got one of his books. I got a book called Mister Know It All, which um, Mister Know It All, you know, catalog catalogs his you know rise and fall and rise again or falling 
a falling forward, I guess you would say, um, through Hollywood is how he kind of described it. And it's actually autographed, which I think is pretty cool. I was like, yeah, I got to get that when I leave here. So I I, I grabbed that book and um, right from the first page, it is interesting. It's awesome. Um, He has several New York Times bestselling books, and you can definitely tell he has his own voice when you're reading it. That's one thing as a writer, like working working on the novels I'm working on, that I did not realize when I was younger. I would sometimes write down basically ideas and ideas for stories. But finding your voice, like when you know how to say things that only you would say or you feel like only you would say... Or telling the story only the way that you would tell the story from your like perspective, basically. That is something that I felt was really hard to get to. Mainly because I guess no one even pointed out that that's what I had to do. Like When I started writing um, Welcome to Neochrome, it just came out. Like I, I've, I've, I, It hit me like, oh, start it here. Um, so that's my first time getting there. And I've been working on that book um, you know, on and off, obviously. But since I was like 10, 11 years old, trying to get... A, a book based on that world, I guess you would say, not that particular book. Once I had the idea for this particular book, I sat down with this perspective after doing a few screenplays and the studying everything I've studied on writing. Then I kind of, you know, when I said, you know what, how am I going to approach this? I found my voice and how I'm doing Welcome to Neochrome. I'm really excited about that book. But, um, yeah, then the John Waters book, you know, from page one, you can see that he has a very unique perspective, a very unique voice. And I like how encouraging it is, but it's also, like, self-deprecating. Like, he's Mr. Know-it-all, so, like, he's always, like, telling you something with also this, like, like slight, like, making fun of yourself, which I always think is the best way to, like, impart knowledge and speak to people. Like, I feel like as long as you're humble and you're you're letting people know, like, I know something, I want to share this with you, it's helpful... Also, like I'm aware, like we're all messed up, kind of thing. Um, I, I feel like that's a real human conversation. I, I almost feel like that's like the only human conversation when someone's talking from just this place of like, look how great I am. This is how great I do things. That can be helpful too if you're just trying to get to the information. But I feel like with these kind of books, where it's like a memoir kinda, and also him like trying to tell you how to do things, I feel like that's better. Especially since one thing he touched on a lot in his show is you have your different rises and falls and things that don't go the way you thought they were going to go and things that you didn't think were going to work out worked out and how like life is about living. You have all these plans, but then when you're out there, you're, you're going to meet all these different people and go into all these different situations and you, you keep making the best of them. And at the end of it, you have your life, but like you're not going to be able to walk into these situations and completely make it all happen the way you have in your head. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting here watching this guy, I believe he's 78 years old, um, people young and old from like probably as young as like 15 or maybe 16, long, young as you could be to get in there, I guess, um, to people maybe as maybe his age or older, um, all in the theater sold out, extremely excited to see him and all had, you know, at, the end of the, at the end of the show, he had a Q&A and everyone asked, you know, very detailed, interesting questions, very, people obviously there knew a lot about what he, um, what he did. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, yeah, you know, he's not necessarily a stand-up comedian, but if you're starting off as a stand-up comedian and you want to sell, sell tickets to your show and you rent that theater, people aren't just going to show up to see you. So what I was interested to find out about this guy, which which definitely was up my alley, was he's a writer, he's a director, he's wrote several novels, he does now basically what is stand-up comedy and like public speaking. Um, he... You know, obviously, he's designed, you know, merchandise, shirts, all these different things. Worked with a lot of artists. He actually has um, 
a big art collection he collected throughout his life that he was able to donate to a museum that was featured in a museum. There's all these things that he was into that at the, at the time when he was collecting them would have been the kind of things that most people in society would have shunned. And now it became a whole collection. Uh, he made a bunch of movies, some of them that he didn't even think were that good anymore. And a lot of them are like now preserved through like the, the Criterion Collection, which I think you can see on HBO Max. Um, stuff that he never expected to happen, you know, with some of the things that he had recorded. Right? Offbeat movies, a lot of beats made no profits or were considered box office and critical failures, are now revered and put in archives and he gets awards for them. Um, so it's like, yeah, like seeing all the different things he's done and how this life he's carved out for himself and the stories he was telling about it, it all seemed like that's, that's really reassuring to a guy like me. Cause a guy like me likes to do a lot of things. And I felt, you know, um, a connection in that sense with him where I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a lot of different things I like to do. And a lot of times that's viewed kind of as like scattered brained or, you know, not really having a lot of direction. But I felt, I always felt like I'm honing these different skills to bring together an entire vision and to do something I want to do. So like with Neochrome, I want to own Neochrome. I want to show people Neochrome. I don't want to just tell you about it. I want to show it to you. I was working on a, a portrait today for a character. Um, and I want to be able to do it all. And I want to do it well. So like my writing, I feel like is there. And that's probably the first thing that will come out. But my drawing, I feel like is getting better over like a three or four year period. And it's not as fast as I would want it to be. I was surprised to realize the other day that I think I, I've seriously been drawing for about three years. I've amateurly been drawing on and off for probably about 10 or 11 years. Just like picking up the habit, putting it down. But for three years, I've been mostly consistent and more and more consistent as of late. And finally making breakthroughs and understanding things about art. I'm 36 years old. So like, you know, you think about that. Gary Vee's always talking about that, you know. How would you feel if you knew today, like I was watching John Waters and thought to myself, man, you know, what if it would if, you know, 78 year old you could show up right now and say, hey, look, it's it's going to work out, man. Just keep on working on these things. Keep on doing these things. And all these things are going to happen. You can't even picture. Maybe maybe none of these things you even wanted to do are going to happen. But you keep doing you and, and pursuing your things and you're going to find all these new other things in life. Just make sure that you're always doing it. You're putting yourself out there and you're living life and moving forward, right? Um, I'm like, yeah, that, that would be great, right? So instead of, you know, waiting for 70-year-old me to time travel, I just have to just look forward and say that's that's what I want to do. That's what I believe in, right? I look at this at this podcast, I constantly think of like, I wonder what it's going to be like when I cross episode 1,000. I wonder who by then, if I'll be able to have a budget or have guest stars come on the show and then when people come back and listen to these older episodes, that'd be cool. And also for my children, my my grandchildren, you know, if they ever find interest in these things, for them to, you know, go back and look through the topics of the videos, maybe some of the topics they're interested in, and get to hear like, my 2022 perspective, you know, all the way down the road. That's something I love about my grandfather. My grandfather has a lot of musical tapes, and he has some music that I have preserved online. So if someone wants to, they can go listen to some of his old music, and you can hear his stuff, and you can hear it online. Um, pretty much anywhere you are in the world now. Where I would know, like, you know, for the generation before him, I, that wasn't possible. The technology wasn't there. If he had someone in the family that did that kind of stuff, this stuff is lost. So that's why I'm, I'm big into, like, 23andMe, um, Ancestry.com. I think that's something that's really cool, you know, trying to put together these things. And now that we have those tools, we can start thinking about that, right? Your social media accounts can be, like, bequeathed to, like, people that you... You, um, I think it's bequeaths the word, right? Like you leave it to people when you pass away. That's so interesting. 
to think like, oh, you know, you inherited, you know, a car, maybe some money, uh, you know, old book of letters. And then uh, your your dad's Twitter account is he, he left it to you. That's the password. Um, I don't know what you would do with that. I guess you just have it. Right. But it'd be interesting to see how those things work. And that our our generation is going to be the first ones figuring that kind of stuff out. How do we handle ourselves digitally? If you have NFTs, do you leave them to people? Um, does this stuff matter, right? Does your, does my, I, I hope I get to leave my Fortnite skins to someone, right? Even though my daughter has quite a collection at this point. Um, oh, and last thing is Pokemon. I, I pay, I haven't played Pokemon, I think, in over a year. I pay monthly for Pokemon Home, or yearly, actually. I think I pay yearly for it. And I have every Pokemon. Uh, about a year or two ago, I made it a quest to go to all my old Pokemon games and transfer them all over it was a whole process. Like, to get to, like, an old Game Boy, I had to do all these things to make sure any Pokemon I still had, I had lost them over the years, some games I didn't have anymore. But all the ones I had, I transferred them all over to the most current game. And then Nintendo made a cloud storage system, finally, where you can store your Pokemon, but it's, like, I think, like, 10 bucks a year or something like that, which I will pay for till I die. Because um, I thought, like, that's the coolest thing, that if my kids ever play these games in the future... I feel like Nintendo will only keep making games that use Pokemon forever. Um, that, yeah, you can be like, I got my granddad's Pokemon and my great-great-granddad's like Pikachu he caught back in like 96 on a Game Boy Advance. Um, and it has some information, some metadata about that. There's a lot of fake Pokemon apparently that you can make like with like a computer and import them into the games. And like, and that's cool and all. But again, like if you if you have someone who cares or actually collects they can see, like, man, I had these Pokemon from, like, 1996. Like, they're that old. That'd be cool if there was there to introduce a feature where you could see that. I don't know if that kind of data is captured in the Pokemon. But I think it does have, like, the name of the trainer, the original one, which would be, like, whatever name I used on the Game Boy and stuff like that. Um, and then you have some older Pokemon. But at this point, I think that, that, that year or two, this is, like, around the pandemic. Right when the pandemic started, actually. Um, I, I made it my quest to get all the ones available and, you know, into the Pokemon home system. And I did that. So yeah, we have a bunch of different things like that, that you can have and preserve and pass on to people. And hopefully, you know, we'll figure out how to do that as a, as a people, right? So I'm going to go to a quick commercial break. When I come back, we'll talk about some, some more things going on in entertainment. I want to touch some things going on in video games, Fortnite, some sales. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. I'll be right back with more of that podcast with Sammy Rye. And we are back with a whole lot to cover from video games to entertainment. We got a few things. I want to touch on Fortnite. I want to touch on a game called V Rising. If you're on the PC or if you have access to the PC, I think it's going to be a PS4, PS5 game eventually. Which actually makes me remember another game, Spellforce Remastered. I want to touch on that. Um, and there's one more. Uh, maybe it'll come to me. One, the other one was kind of silly. Oh, Shadowrun the Trilogy on PS5, which Shadowrun is, is funny to me because I backed it on Kickstarter, and it's like an iPad game. Eventually, they ported it to the PC, and that, that's kind of cool, but the graphics are like, they're good enough for the iPad. It has like an art style to it. It's like an iPad game, and they recently announced it's coming to the PS5. I'm like, it doesn't need to be on the PS5. Like, it's like, this is way, way too much power for this iPad game. However, I will give them credit for taking their cell phone game all the way so I guess it will look nice hopefully you know on a big screen TV there's a lot of great looking cell phone games that I feel like should have some kind of companion piece that lets you play with them on console 
I feel like they'd make a ton of more money. Um, I know I would use it. If I'm home, why am I on my phone when I could power up this game or at least like let me play it on my phone? And if it has visuals, like, let me like mirror it to my, my screen on my TV. When you do it like with the actual screen mirroring, it doesn't look great. So I feel like they should have an actual console app, maybe with some, you know, bigger high-res files. I don't know. Maybe no one else wants to do that. I got a million ideas, and I just don't know who to talk to about all these things, right? But we're working on it. So moving forward, we have a lot of different things we're going to touch on besides those games. Let me just run through those real quick, I guess. So Fortnite, I think, has about three weeks left in their season. And they're doing something incredible that I didn't realize they were doing. This season, they're getting to the point where they have so many events and special things they've done that they can call back to them weekly. So it used to be a thing where like every few weeks there'd be a pretty major update throughout what I think is about a two and a half month season. Maybe it's some maybe it's like two month season. Um, they usually work in that way, which that's already incredible. Number one, they drop a new season, which comes with a bunch of new skins, usually some changes to the maps, new missions, new story, new cinematics, new events, right? And that lasts for about two months. And then they do it again. And they've been doing this again for a long time. Actually, let me, let me see. How long does a Fortnite season last, typically? Right, let me Google that for you guys and see what do they say um, about that. Because I don't want to gas them up more. Because of what they already have is already an accomplishment. Fortnite seasons typically last 14 to 18 weeks. So the length depends on the content ongoing. 14 weeks? That's a really long time based on that article. Let me see when um, Fortnite Chapter 3 launched. I'm going to look this up real quick. Pardon the searches, right? I don't know if that is, that is a bad thing. June 4th. That last year? There's no way. Oh, Chapter 3. Chapter 3 is release date. Um, June 4th. Did Chapter 3 come out June 4th last year? Oh my god. Maybe I am completely wrong. So, alright. So, if Chapter 3 dropped in June of last year, that means it's been out for over a year. That seems... That seems inaccurate. But there has been two seasons already in this chapter. So we're we're approaching chapter... Well, I guess so, yeah. So you have season one of chapter three. We're on season two of chapter three, which is which is called Resistance. And we're about to go to season three. I guess so. So 14 weeks is about... What is that? Uh, four, eight, 12. About three months. Three months and two weeks? Hmm. I guess that's that seems like... I guess it's accurate. Well, we'll have to go with that. We're going to go with... Fortnite every three months releases, you know, re redoes the whole game basically, which I guess is still a lot of time too. Um, eight weeks is too short, but uh, three months is good. So every three months they redo most of the stuff in the game. Again, new story stuff. Last time, you know, the last update I really remember was when The Rock came into the game, um, and he's still in the game. So I don't know if they got him recording extra voice dialogue or how that works, but. They they introduced him as a big character this last June now, I think about it. So we're almost coming up on a year on that. That's crazy. And yeah, we're about to hit the anniversary for that. That's actually kind of nuts. So we're on the Unreal 5 engine. That whole thing's drumming for a loop. Let me get it back. And now they're doing things weekly. So like they had a Star Wars event that I think lasted two weeks. Now they have an event that's calling back to when they did this like basically the upside down from like um from Stranger Things. They introduced some kind of guns and things. They brought that onto a section of the map. 
Um, and they're also changing major locations throughout the, the weeks. It's incredible. I have to, like, whenever I'm doing stuff, I can't help but stop and just check in at least for an hour or two, maybe once a week if I can, just to see the changes and see what new things they have going on the map. They now have this thing where, like, you can have these ongoing battles that are happening on the map. So you come onto the map, some NPC characters will be fighting in an area, and you can come help one or the other teams kind of push and take over that area. And based on how many people actually did that back and forth throughout a few weeks, then they'll destroy the area and give it to one team or the other. So that's pretty cool. It makes that, those fights you know, matter more. Um, as opposed to, like, right now, Call of Duty has this Godzilla event going on. And it reminds me of something that Fortnite did where they had a big robot fight a big lizard, um, you know, years ago. And I was interested to see, like, okay, cool. that I like Godzilla and King Kong. I like the brand. So what is this about? And then what I've seen so far is, like, that they stomp around the island. And I don't think they actually fight each other. And what you can do is if you shoot them a lot, um, if your team shoots them a lot, they'll, like, go crazy and rampage through the island, which could potentially kill other people. So... That seems to be it. That seems to be like the whole thing. And besides that, you're just fighting each other. So I guess it's cool that it's not just like a one-day event. Fortnite's events are usually just one day. But then from what I've seen in the comments, people are saying like it's really repetitive that like once you first see them, it's like, wow. And the fact that every match you're playing now, they're constantly there doing the same nothing, basically just stomping around. It just doesn't have the same kind of effect. It kind of wears off after a while. So I do feel like Fortnite's always been really good at creating these exclusive moments and making things feel special through that um, exclusivity. But they're not capturing that in Call of Duty. That's not necessarily translating over to what they're doing there. So at least not, not now. Maybe Call of Duty will have them do different things throughout the weeks. This is the first time I think they did an event like this. So we'll have to keep an eye on that see how it goes. I did install it so I can try it for myself. And just see, you know, what that is. So maybe maybe in a week or two, I'll be singing a different tune about that. I'll let you guys know. Um, but yeah, Fortnite season about to end. So there's lots of different ways that you can earn XP if you want to hop in and try to get through your battle pass. Uh, it, that would be stressful. But, like, if you have time, there's so many ways to get XP now. You probably could get through it in the next three weeks. And then I don't I don't know what the next season is going to be. I'm looking forward to it. I got Dr. Strange. I'm at at least level 100 for this season. So I'm happy with that. I didn't play a lot this season. I've been very busy. But um, I would like to see if maybe I could get to the end of the like the extra skins to the battle pass. I don't know. Typically what that would happen with me is like one day I might wake up and I'm like, I got some time. And I'll just sit down and, and grind out a lot of missions. And I can get a lot of quests done pretty quickly. Um, so that's another thing to think about. And in the, game, in the realm of video games, Spellforce. Spellforce is a very unique game. Where it's a it's a RPG, but also a real time strategy game. So Spellforce Three Reforced is a remake or remastering of an old game called Spellforce Three. And I guess what's cool about it is like it was a game where you're on a map and you and your squad can kind of like move around. You can like I think you could build like some small bases, but then you can control the actual people in the squad. They were important. They weren't just like generic soldiers. The like the the handful of guys you had or girls you had were able to have special powers and I think uniforms and stuff. But it was a very niche game. I feel like they had their games on the PC, but you never really heard anything about it again. And now it's coming back. It looks beautiful. Um, and they have like map customization and a bunch of different things. And it's coming out on Steam. So, or is it already on Steam? This, this, the Re-Rising comes out tomorrow. So maybe this is already available. 
Spellforce 3 Reforged is already available on Steam. So maybe it's coming to PS5. Um, let me see how that looks. When is their release date for PS5? Because I think that's why I was surprised about the fact that it was coming to consoles. And I really liked that finally PC games are coming to consoles. So Spellforce 3 Reinforced will be coming to consoles on March 8th, 2022. Is it already out on consoles? <gasps> I didn't know that. I would have to go look at that. But I saw the, the advertisement. And yes, Spellforce 3 Reinforced is on the consoles. Is it on PS4? I don't have a PS5 yet, so I can't get it. Maybe I didn't see it because of that. But it'd be awesome if it is on PS4. I think it's on PS4. No, this is, this is pre-order. I hate when they do that. I hate they're like, oh, it's on. It's on the system, but it's not really here. It's a pre-order. So uh, they pushed it back to June 7th. That's what it is. So now, now that makes sense. I'm seeing commercials for it. And it looks like it's only PS5. So, oh, no, 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 no. That's a PS4 edition, which I feel like is plenty. I, I doubt they've maxed it out to PS5 graphics or whatever. So PS4 would probably be a fine way to play Spellforce Reforce. Maybe at the end of June, I might get a chance to play that. I don't know. I got a lot of things to get through. Um, it's probably not likely, but we'll, we'll, we'll hope and we'll see. So let's see what else we got here. Oh, V Rising. Now, this I, I want to get on Friday. So, V Rising is like Ark. Um, it's like a lot of survival games where you, you're trying to survive in a world. The twist to this one, the flavor they're giving you here is that you're a vampire. And it's a top-down isometric game. And I love isometric art. I've loved it my whole life. If you don't know what isometric is, it's like picture, like looking down on a person, like, like top-down on them. But then, like, come over to the right, so you kind of can see, like, sideways and down on them, and then, like, drop it down a little bit to the left. It's, like, a certain angle you're on. You've, when you see it, you're, you're like, oh, I know what that is. I know what isometric games are. Um, but that I always like that art style. I feel like you do a lot with it. And I actually think in this one, you can turn the camera, which is even cooler, right? So, like, if you're trying to see behind a wall or something and you don't know what's over there, you can actually rotate it. So you can build your castle, build your base, recruit vampires. Eventually, there'll be PvP. It's an early access game, V Rising. So how that works too on Steam is that you can get it for cheaper. Would it would it be cheaper than when it comes out? Um, and then you're gonna play through it, and they're gonna be adding or finishing the game while you're playing. So by basically they're letting you get it at a discount, and you know because you're supporting them as helping fund their moving forward and hiring more people to work on the game. But based on the trailer, it looks like there's a lot to already do. It looks like a finished game to me. So I don't know how much of that you will be able to interact with or maybe won't be able to interact with. But I follow a lot of games on Steam that do early access. And this looks like one of the ones that are going to be pretty strong. Um, so yeah, V Rising's one. If you have a PC, if you like the idea of playing some kind of survival game where you start as like a nobody vampire and eventually like you build yourself up to Dracula, that seems like it's a cool idea. I've never seen that done before that way. Those are pretty much the main things I think going on in games I want to touch on before I get on to some of the things going on in Hollywood. John Wick Chapter 4. John Wick is like the only other Iron Man besides Iron Man. Like, like there's superhero movies and John Wick. I, I feel like Fast and the Furious obviously deserves a mention in those in that mix. Um, and I think there's one more. Oh, Top Gun Maverick is I, I think it's brewing to be a strong contender. For Tom Cruise coming back and saying, hey, look, I'm also a superhero, right? I'm also a big enough star, just being Tom Cruise, that my me and my brands can be this huge. Tom, Top Gun looks amazing. I'm not a big fan of Top Gun necessarily. Like I, didn't, I watched it as a kid. 
I'm not a big fan of jets, I guess you would say. But the cinematography and the way they bring you into the jets, uh, the spectacle I seen there. I mentioned this, I think, last week in the podcast. Top Gun Maverick is looking great. But John Wick Chapter 4, that's really a personal favorite for many reasons for me. Number one, Keanu Reeves is awesome. Number two, the director is uh, the stunt coordinator from The Matrix. And I feel like it, I feel like you can tell. I feel like John Wick is this unofficial spiritual successor to at least the family and the team that worked on The Matrix, some of them at least. Um, I really enjoy it. I, I forget often they made a Matrix Part 4, and I don't like that. Um, I liked Matrix Part 4, and maybe i got to go watch it again a few more times. But maybe because of the pandemic or it came to streaming, I don't know. Maybe because I'm older, something was just missing. I enjoyed the film, but it didn't have that same kind of, you know, oh, The Matrix is back that I was really hoping for. Perhaps they need to start getting more sequels. But well, other companies, I'm just never sure. Are they going to start having TV shows and movies? Are they going to start banging it all out? Or is it going to, again, slow down and you don't know? But John Wick 4 is coming. John Wick has been chugging on for a few years. It looks like it may not come out till 2023. But it's always going to be worth the wait. I hear um, basically they had a, a screening somewhere. And they showed a small, small amount of footage. And John Wick was beating people up with nunchucks. I love that. I love nunchucks. I love nunchucks since I was a kid. I own nunchucks. Um, I, the only person I think I've ever really seen, I feel like, do great with nunchucks. Well, actually, two people. Bruce Lee, of course. And then the movie Sidekicks. There was a stunt double that used the nunchucks. I don't know who actually was the person doing it. It's a Chuck Norris movie. Um, he probably used his own nunchucks. I don't know. But there was a scene where like, there's like two white ninjas. And uh, yeah, if you've never seen the movie Sidekicks, it's a fun movie. But it's like definitely an early 90s movie. Um, but I love nunchucks. They're not, they don't use them a lot. A lot. I like nunchucks with Maxi and Soul Calibur. So I'm excited about the, the mention of nunchucks. And the director was funny because he mentioned how it's difficult for them to come up with new stunts and new things for them to do. But they're obviously trying to cook up some new stuff. Um, and I also thought it was interesting that they mentioned that Holly Berry might get her own movie. She won't be in John Wick 4. But there's also been talks for years now about there being a ballerina spinoff from John Wick. Because they, they, they show that with the house he grew up in, there were like girls that were there were like trained to be these like hardcore ballerina, possibly also assassins. And the boys are kind of more like wrestlers or like jujitsu grapplers, also assassins kind of thing, right? I don't know. Um, I guess they were typically assassins. I don't know why the ballerinas, I guess, are ballerinas because I thought in my mind, oh, they're going to have a movie where there's some girl and she's like very fluid and moves and fights in a different way we've never seen before. Um, and she'll be shooting and spinning around. It's going to be awesome. And the movie hasn't come out yet. I haven't heard any talks about it, and that disappoints me. So I'm hoping that one of those side projects would would, would, um, would kick off. I hope at one point they're going to make a side project with Common. I didn't think that's happening. Then I heard he was going to get his own action movie that wasn't connected to the John Wick universe, and I don't believe that's happened yet either. So a lot of things, I guess, are on hold, maybe because of the pandemic and things have gotten held back and stuff like that. I did read John Wick 4 was supposed to come out a lot sooner, um, and it's just kind of been held back, so that kind of, you know, I guess is discouraging. Um, but hopefully some of those characters will, will get to come back into the fray at some point, because John Wick is a personal favorite. I love John Wick. Um, let's see what else I wanted to go over. Kevin Feige showed off some stuff recently at a, um, a basically a, a convention for, like, advertisers and stuff for Disney+, Plus, and really was showing off a lot of the different connections they have coming out with different characters. I think they have Loki Season 2 that got announced, the entire cast coming back for that, and Loki 2. Loki is the most streamed show on Disney+, Plus right now, but I feel like it's kind of unfair, because I feel like everyone was coming to see, like, is this going to work? Like, what is this? 
And now, since, you know, it's sitting there, you can go watch it whenever you want, right? So, like, I haven't saw a Book of Boba Fett, even though I did watch Mandalorian week to week. I plan on watching Book of Boba Fett, but I haven't yet. So, at some point, yeah, I'll go watch it. And I think, like, that's going to be the general feeling for a lot of people with so many Marvel shows, is you don't have a chance to get to it. But I think when Loki came out, everyone was just wondering, is this going to work? Everyone was sitting there watching it. They wanted to know what happens to Loki. The story was crucial to what was the next part of this MCU phase. So there's a lot of stuff going around that. I personally think Falcon Winter Soldier was the best show. Um, Hawkeye was also really good. But I feel like those two were the best. Moon Knight was really good too. But I think Falcon Winter Soldier, I think, was really a really good standalone show. If I didn't know anything about Marvel and just started that show, I feel like that story was a very good self-contained story that did also have elements of going around the world and introducing new characters where Moon Knight was kind of in its one place and introduced new characters and said some things. But I think Falcon Winter Soldier is a much more important message overall and theme of that show. Um, so I hold that one in high regard. But it's cool seeing that they have other things coming out and a bunch of projects they're announcing and really going you know full steam ahead with Disney+. Plus. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was Doctor Strange at the box office. So Doctor Strange, number one, I looked it up. It made almost about $650 million in its whole run. And in two weeks, Multiverse of Madness has done that already. It's at about $700 million, and it's going to keep going. So hopefully it breaks a billion. I wanted it to break a billion. It mattered to me because I thought Benedict Cumberbatch really needed that in the MCU. I didn't like that the, you know, it's successful when they do that, those numbers. They get to $700 million, That's successful. But you see Black Panther, Spider-Man, Iron Man, um, you know, um... Avengers, they, they're all breaking a billion, you know, Into the Multiverse broke a billion from Sony, right? Um, that seems to be always like the guarantee this is successful. Fast and the Furious breaks a billion, Star Wars breaks a billion, right? Um, so I was hoping that Doctor Strange could be that because I really think that they're framing him to be the next Tony Stark um, in the sense that he'll be the most important superhero in their universe going forward. And it makes sense because a lot of the threats they have now are just things that you can't shoot. You can't, you know, hit it with a missile. There's just so much stuff that they're going on um, and dealing with. And him having the, the limitless amounts of powers he could potentially have or items he could use or artifacts and stuff. You can kind of do anything with him given the right circumstances. It's like a mystical Batman, I guess. Um, hopefully they... They, um, you know, get him to be that. And I think him making a billion will really make Doctor Strange a household name. Where I think at first people were kind of like, oh, that was cool. But I think Multiverse of Madness was an amazing, amazing film. And I think, you know, when the financial success is there, even though we still are kind of coming back from the pandemic. I think the last Spider-Man, um, I think no, no Way Home finished. Let me look that up. Look at the box office totals for No Way Home. I think that broke a billion. Yeah, 1.7, exactly. So, that's my thing. It's like, you know, when these movies come out, they do big numbers. They do big business. Well, that's almost $2 billion, right? So, hopefully, um, he's able to that cross that benchmark, maybe even go further, and really, you know, kind of cement it in the ground that Doctor Strange is a big franchise, and, and he's the guy who can carry the MCU forward. That's, those are big shoes to fill. And, you know, Robert had lots of movies, and it was the first time, so you have to kind of, like, redo all that, or you got to beat all that that's already there, but while also doing something different. It's a lot of stuff that I had to handle. Um, so I'm glad to see Doctor Strange so far is going well. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was Breaking Bad. Now, um... 
there's a the season finale or the series finale, I believe, for Better Call Saul is coming. Let me verify that. Better Call Saul. Um, yeah, I believe the series is coming to an end. Um, yeah. So better better call Saul is supposed to be coming to an end. And there's a lot of cool, you know, cameos. A lot of things I think people kind of always hoped Better Call Saul would have seem to be happening now towards the end of the show. So I guess, if I remember correctly, Better Call Saul is like a prequel. Um, and it seems like, I feel like they, at this point, would know how to tie it together in a good way. Um, but really, not all because of that, but it's been coming up a lot more. Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, yada yada. I was like, I kind of had an urge to go back and watch Breaking Bad. And I didn't realize it's been a long time since Breaking Bad came out. I think it's been over 10 years since I really watched the series. Every once in a while, I'll throw in a few episodes. But man, does that show hold up. Again, outside of these Marvel and all these other films, Breaking Bad has got to be the best TV show, you know, ever. I mean, I would say Breaking Bad is better than all all shows. Like, I'm not going to say the Marvel shows are better. I'm just saying nowadays... We talk about these Marvel products so much, and it seems difficult for people to come up with a new, strong brand that's really, really good. And Breaking Bad's formula, what they were doing when they were doing that show, is on, it's in a league of its own. Um, you know, going back through again with fresh eyes, again, I'm 2022, I've seen so many things, and I've seen this show once already. Going back, it's still hitting me. It's still hitting me. The scenes I forgot about it. There's so many good scenes, so many little nuanced scenes that were so powerful. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that maybe is considering, oh, yeah, let's go watch Breaking Bad again. But if you haven't seen it in a few years, if you don't remember all the things, I remember the broad strokes. I remember, like, the big major points. But there's so many great, well-acted scenes, just like the scene with Skylar and her sister, like, in a kitchen arguing. It could be like a 10-second scene. I'm like, oh, man, what a good scene. What a good performance. Um, What an important part of the story for those two characters. Little things like that really shine on that show. And while I remember some of the big things, there were all these smaller things about characters. I'm like, oh, I like this little story arc they're doing for this character this season. I forgot about this one in particular, but it was good and it was acted out well. That show was phenomenal. And there's... It's one of the very few shows that lets the character you're supposed to like do bad things that you don't like and then keeps on going. So when you're done, you do have kind of a mixed feeling about that character and what that character did overall. But like it was it was earned. You you, you kind of just know like, well, that's what um had to happen for that character. And I think that's an amazing thing. To see, like, you know, Walt's character, the main character from Breaking Bad. If you've never seen it, obviously go watch it. But I have to, I guess I'll talk as if everyone's here has seen it once. Everyone listening has at least seen it once. But, yeah, like, he does things throughout the show where I feel like it's even more satisfying knowing how it concludes. Because then you can see so many small little moments where he's starting to show who he's going to be and, and why he's going to be that. Like, the first time you're watching it, you might have said, oh, that doesn't, that's not real, or that doesn't make sense for the character. But then since you know where he evolves to, ultimately, now I'm like, oh, man, that one little line of sentence, that one little line of dialogue, that one moment when he said that, or look how he reacted, look at his face and how he reacted. Like that's, you just start seeing that, that Walter White character crack through the surface, and it's very, very satisfying to watch. So definitely, if you guys had the time, um, check out Breaking Bad again. I think I'm going to watch Breaking Bad. I never watched El Camino. When El Camino came out, which is like the Breaking Bad movie, 
I believe it's after Breaking Bad. It follows Jesse Pinkman. Um, I just feel like when it came out to Netflix, there was something about it. I didn't like the way it was promoted. I didn't feel like it was the thing. I just, I just felt like it was too late and it didn't matter. But Better Call Saul, I thought, was not Breaking Bad, but it was its own thing. So I didn't like it as much as Breaking Bad, but there were these little scenes, again, that I liked about it. I thought it was acted well. Um, and I, I wanted to finish it, but Better Call Saul was in that situation, too, where I had to, like, wait every week. And it's difficult for me to watch any show, and it has a lot of seasons. So I think, like, season breaks and stuff, a lot of times I just forget to come back to a show. And then eventually I'm like, ah, like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it anymore. But watching Breaking Bad, putting it on back-to-back-to-back, watch any episode I want to watch. That, I think, makes those shows a lot easier to go through than me justifying waiting a whole week, looking forward to an hour for TV with some show, and then it's a filler episode or it's not really what you wanted that week. Those things can be kind of disappointing sometimes. So I'm really excited to go through Breaking Bad. I then will then try to watch El Camino. And then when I hop into Better Call Saul... Maybe that will give me, you know, a full amount of time to really appreciate Better Call Saul and then get to see, hopefully, what their series finale is for that show and to see those actors again. That's my plan. It is something just... Because there isn't really another show out right now. And I can always, like, stop and switch, like, when um when a new show comes out. I believe... What comes out from Marvel? Miss Mar- Miss Marvel comes out, I believe, in June. Like, I'll probably watch that on Disney+. Plus. And then I will, you know, when, when I'm watching that week to week in the middle, I'll fill it with Breaking Bad, you know. So that gives me something to do probably throughout the summer. I think it'll take a while to get through all the Breaking Bad, El Camino, and then Better Call Saul. Um, and that'd be pretty cool. And then I'll do it again 10 years later, right? Maybe, I, maybe I'll go back again and see if there's any other Breaking Bad spinoffs have been added to the collection. I think it's cool. I, I like when you're trying to spend time with your family or friends and you want to sit down and watch long-form TV. I want it to be the best TV possible. It sparks great conversations. You get to go on those characters' journeys together. And Breaking Bad is just phenomenal. It's, 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 again, it's not even worth comparing to other shows because it's in a league of its own. And I hate to hype it like that, but I, I knew nothing about Breaking Bad. I think when it first came out, I don't even think I watched the first two seasons. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't realize how good it was. And then when I did watch it, I was blown away. Um, and it was frustrating moments and season cliffhangers and stuff I didn't like at the time. But I'm telling you, overall, man, when you're streaming stuff, I feel like it's a thousand percent better. I really hate watching week-to-week TV. I know streaming services do it, and they feel like they have to do it in some cases. And with the superhero shows, I feel like it's the only exception. Because spoilers are just so rampant when it comes to that kind of fan base. They're like, if I have to sit down and watch eight hours of TV the night that show debuts, if it's a new Marvel show, it's a lot to have to do. And if you don't, everyone's going to screenshot and go to Facebook and Twitter and everywhere you can and put all the stuff from the last episodes online. People are horrible that way. It's just a very frustrating thing. So I do like that the most they can spoil is one week's episode. And if you sat down and watched it that day and stayed off the internet, it's not that big of a deal. Um, So... That works, I think, for the Marvel shows because spoilers is such a big thing. So many cameos and Easter eggs and things that they set up in those shows when they're doing their world building. But yeah, Breaking Bad, you know, you can just put it on now. I mean, even knowing where it goes doesn't matter because, like I said, the show just has scenes with two characters in a room having a conversation and they're just knocking it out the park. There's so many characters, a lot of conflict between the characters and their relationships, a lot of nuance and small things that the characters really make seem interesting. They're so good at that on that show. 
um, is very enjoyable. So yeah, that's my 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 take. I'm gonna watch all of that, and then I don't know classic shows. I would go back and watch again. I'd watch stuff like True Blood again, but I think True Blood, I would just stop it at like a certain season. I think like season three, I would just stop and just not finish it. I did watch Sopranos when the pandemic started. That was phenomenal. Um, again, another great, great, great TV show. Um, yeah, so there's those are a few. I wanted maybe I think after Breaking Bad, if I could think, what's something I haven't seen that I did like from front to end? It was Sons of Anarchy, and I didn't get into Mayans. I tried it, but I, I see Mayans still has a few seasons out now, so perhaps you can go through it and then switch over. But I don't really like how AMC switches like all the characters. It's the same thing for The Walking Dead. Like I never can get into Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, I think when Walking Dead finally it takes its bow and it's done, I maybe I'll try to go back and watch that again. Um, that has like a million seasons. So again, those those are things like when shows I put on the back burner. Like if I have nothing else to do, just looking for something to watch. You know, trying to get through something like Walking Dead. Ten, see, that's just it. Just gives you something dependable that you can have in the background. Um, so maybe one day we'll do that because I never finished Walking Dead. I, I eventually got tired of the show. Maybe it's, maybe that show just went on too long. I don't know. But yeah, Fear of the Walking Dead. I couldn't get into it. I feel like the spinoffs didn't work. Um, Better Call Saul I did like, but we'll see if, you know, El Camino and all those things, you know, piece it together. But that's everything I had this week for the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Again, I'll try to keep you guys updated, and there's a lot more content I have coming out hopefully over the summer. Um, Yeah, I hope you guys are having a great year. hope you're enjoying the weather. Thanks for hanging out with with Sammy, and peace. (laughs) 